Let's pray. Father, we love you. We love your word, and we pray that you'll give us direction in our lives by the things that we study tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Exodus 18. Now Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian, heard all that Elohim had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, that Yahweh had taken Israel out of Egypt. So Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, took Zipporah, Moses' wife, after she had been sent away, and her two sons, one of whom was named Gershom, because Moses said, I was a stranger in a foreign land, and one who was named Eliezer, because Moses said, uh, the God of my father, or God of my father, came to my aid and delivered me from Pharaoh's sword. Okay, so let's think about this just a minute and get our bearings straight. Somewhere in the course of events since Moses rose to leadership and all, he had sent his wife and sons back to Midian. Don't have a lot of details about that. Now, let me say this. Exodus 18 is an interesting study in, in the Hebrew language. There's one word, for example, in here that's only used three times in the whole Hebrew Bible. And uh, there, is, there is no small disagreement among so-called scholars of the Old Testament about uh, how this fits in time frames and, and what all this means. And does it mean when he said she had been sent away, does it mean that he had divorced her? Just all kinds of arguments. But I think the best way to do it is just take it like it is. This is the next thing. Uh, he had sent his wife away. There are details there we don't necessarily know about, but it was dangerous, and he found an opportunity to send her back uh, to her father, Jethro, where it was relatively safe. It might have been that, I'm a, that uh, Jethro, who, who, was, who lived up near in the area of the Amalekites, heard that they were going to war against Israel, and he might have sent word, and Moses said, well, here, take them back until we get this mess. I, mean, I just don't know. It just tells us what, what the Lord wants us to know. So here's the deal. Uh, at some point in time, she and his, his wife and their sons had been sent back to uh, Jethro, and now, having defeated the Amalekites, all they've done, they are headed to Horeb, which is Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. So this is, this is it's, it's, it's not easy to not see two and a half million people moving across the land in the desert. It wasn't a forest, you know, it was just open land. So they probably kicked up quite a cloud of dust when they moved. So, you know, the, the priest who served as a chieftain of his people, he would have known these things. Uh, and certainly it would have been known what happened to Egypt with the Israelites coming out of Egypt. So anyway, um, we're given here the names of the sons of Moses and that uh, Moses' 
little family, his wife and two sons, had been in the care, back in the care of, of Jethro. Okay, so let's go from there. Now, Mo, now Moses' father-in-law Jethro and his sons, and Moses' sons, and his wife came to Moses to the desert where he was encamped at the mountain of Elohim. Okay, so they're moving toward and closing in on Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. This is a very interesting passage of Scripture, as a matter of fact. A lot of people overlook it, uh, and, and we'll, we'll, see, we'll see why it's interesting and, and what people might overlook from time to time in studying. And he said to Moses, I, Jethro, your father-in-law, am coming to you, and so is your wife and her two sons with her. So Moses went out toward Jethro, bowed down and kissed him, and they greeted one another, and they entered the tent. I'm assuming he also kissed his wife. You know, it's, <laughs> I'm, I'd be a little more anxious to kiss her than to kiss him. Uh, but uh, they went into the tent, and uh, he, he gets his family back here. Moses told his father-in-law about all that Yahweh had done to Pharaoh and to Egypt on account of Israel and about all the hardships that had befallen them on the way and that Yahweh had saved them. Jethro rejoiced about all the good that Yahweh had done for Israel and that he had delivered them from the hand of Egypt. Now there's an interesting, I always try to translate the, the word that's used either for God or Lord. Just, I just transliterate it. I don't really translate it. I just transliterated into the English. You'll notice already that the term Elohim has been used. I think Elohim is used, I'm not going to go back and count it, but I think in this passage, in this chapter, Elohim is used 12 times and Yahweh is used six times, I think. Uh, something like that. So let's think about Jethro. He, had, he was a priest. He's a religious guy. He, he sort of had a, you know, he had a focus on religious things, but he didn't know everything there was to know. Uh, and remember Yahweh told Moses that he had not revealed his name for a long time until he revealed it there. Uh, this is some chapters back. So Jethro would not have known that the Almighty God was the God of Israel, God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. He would have certainly not known his name. Now he may have been one of these guys that, you know, just sort of is a religionist in general, and he's always looking for divine things, and he has a, he has a, a nature that's open to divine things. Uh, but uh, now, if you'll notice here, Moses says, let me tell you who did this. You remember that guy at the burning bush? This is the, this is the God. This is God. This is what Yahweh did to Pharaoh and to Egypt for Israel, did it in behalf of Israel. And that they'd had hardships, but that Yahweh helped them in every hardship and that they, they just kept moving along. Now, this made Jethro happy. And that word rejoiced in the Hebrew there. This is that word rejoice. That's, that's one of three times. This is the first time that it's used in the, in the, in the Hebrew text. It's one of only three times. And it, 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 it bespeaks of a joy that maybe Jethro had been wanting but had never found and now something inside of him just blows open and he makes a recognition. This, this, this is kind of what I think it's saying. You know, I knew there was a God above all other gods. I knew this. I didn't know his name and now 
Now I see where all this thing is headed. I think this is what the word rejoiced says to us about Jethro because Jethro is going to get saved, if you want to use that vernacular. He's going to get saved here in this chapter. Rejoiced about all the good that Yahweh had done for Israel, that he had delivered them from the hand of Egypt. Thereupon Jethro said, Blessed be Yahweh. Now that's sort of like an Old Testament uh, profession of faith, okay? At least from Jethro's perspective. Blessed be Yahweh. So he calls him by his name and he focuses on him in particular. Blessed be Yahweh who has delivered you from the hand of Egypt and from the hand of Pharaoh who has delivered the people from under the hand of Egypt. Now I know that Yahweh is greater than all Ha'elohim, than all the deities, than all the gods. So you see, I guess if you want to use a word, I don't really like the, the word, but if you want to use the word seeker, Jethro in his ancient day was a seeker. He was a religious man and he picked up on things and he was trying, I think he was trying to learn and he was open and the adventures of Moses at the burning bush and other places and the staff throwing it down, those things excited his imagination perhaps, but now it all comes together to him, okay? So he says in verse 11, now I know, now I know Yahweh is God. He's greater than all other deities. And I've told you this references like this, and they're always, if you want to think of it in English, they're always put in the lower case, Elohim or Elohim, whereas a reference to the true and living God is always uppercase, Elohim. Uh, here, it, it, it's, the, it's these pagan deities that are, that are demon gods. These are, these are demonic things. Uh, it's real strong in Canaan where they're headed. Uh, talk about that, of course, on down the road, God willing. But uh, he says, I knew it. I knew that all this other stuff was just a bunch of baloney and that they're lesser and, and, and they are not the God. That's what he's saying here. In the very thing in which they acted defiantly, he was above them. Now that shows a great deal of discernment. Moses recounts the plagues. You remember when we studied them? I tried, I found goofy looking pictures that came right out of Egypt of their deities, those stupid looking things. And they worshiped those things, you know. And every plague represented how God defeated that particular deity all the way through. Uh, and that those demons had those poor Egyptians right under their grip. But, uh, but Yahweh just crushes all of them until finally the Passover and there's nothing left. Uh, and all of the deities of Egypt had been defeated. Jethro has heard all of this and here's what he says. Those old demons defied. They tried to defy Yahweh and they couldn't get away with it. And I'm so happy I don't know what, I, what to do. This is all making sense to me now. The God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, he was above them. He, he's over them. He crushes them. Verse 12, Then Moses' father-in-law Jethro took and sacrificed a burnt offering and thank offerings. Now, that's an interesting Hebrew. 
the thank offerings. It, it could be other offerings or other sacrifices. Uh, the more thoughtful scholars, they, in, in the greater context of Old Testament sacrifices, group, quote, other sacrifices into thank offerings. So, and, and I, given the reason, I sort of agree with how they put it. So that's how I put it here. To sacrifice a burnt offering means that you're saved. The, the, the guilt offering, the, the sin offering, trespass, that comes before a burnt offering. A burnt offering has to come from the hand of a saved person, if you want to use that, if you want to use that term, New Testament terminology. It's a, it's a worshiper of the true and living God. Uh, so a, a burnt offering is, is flayed open. You take that thing and you, don't, and you expose all of its centrals. You don't leave anything on the inside unexposed. You expose everything about the inside of that thing and you just don't hide a thing from it. And what you say is, this is me. There's nothing in me that you don't know about and, and uh, that you can't have. It's all yours. So this is the offering that uh, Jethro makes and then other offerings as well. Thank offerings, other offerings. And Aaron and all the elders of Israel came to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before Elohim. So they all sat down in the name of the true and living God and had bread together. This was a, 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 a spiritual bonding experience and it, uh, it, it places Jethro in a close relationship spiritually with, uh, with the tribes of Israel, with the, Nathan, with the nation of Israel. So this whole thing here up to this point is just a, a very spiritual, uh, ritualistic experience for these people, especially in behalf of Jethro. Uh, you just kind of feel good for the guy, you know? You think, well, you know, I'm so happy that you finally broke loose from all of your worries and you've, you've come to a knowledge of the true and, uh, and living God. Okay, so we're going from there. It came about on the next day that Moses sat down to judge the people and the people stood before Moses from morning until evening. All right, let's think about that. Here's the picture. This is very interesting. And this is the part that I said that a lot of people tend to overlook. Moses was also a prophet. The Bible calls Moses a prophet. Now, what's a prophet in the Old Testament? He, he receives revelatory information directly from God, a prophet. If you go back, if you we go forward to Ephesians, what, four? The ascent, they're called the ascension gifts. And this would have been before we had the New Testament. Christ said, and the Bible, the Bible says, and he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Now you go over to 1 Corinthians and you see that some, those, some of those offices diminish and are no longer needed. But before there was a scripture, you had the apostles. They were still performing miracles, miracles in the name of Christ and, and people knew that by the power of their hand, in the name of Jesus, these, this is Jesus working through them just like he did before he was crucified. So you know here that uh, the apostles had, were, were, were the first authority. But then there were prophets, okay? You come across something, let's say you're at the church at Thessalonica or anywhere, and uh, 
and there's a there's an issue and you don't know how to deal with it. This is, you know, okay, you got mostly Gentiles. They don't know anything about the Mosaic Law. Uh, there's an issue that's a very important issue. You don't have the New Testament. What are you going to do? A prophet. A New Testament prophet would come and with a revelation from God would, would, would give the people the appropriate teaching, the appropriate information that they needed. Okay, well, this is the case in the Old Testament. Moses in the Bible is called a prophet. That means that he is receiving direct revelation from God. But the interesting thing here is he hasn't gone up to the top of Sinai yet. He hasn't come down with those tablets yet. Yet, he is giving the people in settling their disputes, he's speaking the law of God before he has it in these tablets. So here's an interesting thing I think that it that requires meditation and and reflection. Moses is receiving, it says here, we're going to see it. Moses is receiving the law of God in the experience of the people. They are growing with Moses in how God expects people to live and how they're to deal with each other. They didn't have that back in Egypt. Moses also, as a, pre, as a former commander of armies, you know, when a, when, a, when a government is displaced by an invading army, the general of those armies sets himself up as the administrator until a, a local administration is established by the conquering army. Moses would have had a lot of experience in this thing in what to do and how to set it up. But he's not bringing the law of Egypt with him. He is receiving, as necessary, the revelation of God as a prophet, giving the people what they need from God to settle their disputes. This is how this is working. So Moses is a prophet, and the law of God is already being compiled even before... now. We're going to see why, you know, it becomes necessary for God himself to inscribe it with his finger. Uh, and that happens. And that's, that's sort of an exclamation point of what God has been saying through Moses. We get to that later. So here's Moses all day long selling these disputes. When Moses' father-in-law saw, saw what he was doing for the people, he said, What is this thing you're doing for the people? Why do you sit by yourself alone while all the people stand before you from morning till evening. Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to inquire of Elohim. They come to me to inquire of Elohim. Okay. Already what has Moses done as, as God's man? Well, we'll be here the rest of the night if we enumerate all the things that Moses performed in the name of God miraculous, uh, even up to the giving them water and calling for the manna from him, I mean, everything. So, you know, it's pretty difficult to doubt this guy. And so you say, well, you know, we're going to need to hear from, from Elohim on this. What does God want us to do about this situation? So Moses is the man. Okay. Now, Moses' father-in-law, obviously these, these things would have been being, being would have been in the process of being recorded as, as well in case the same kind of thing comes up again. All right? 
Moses' father-in-law said to him, The thing you are doing is not good. You will surely wear yourself out, both you and the people who are with you, for the matter is too heavy for you. You cannot do it by yourself. You're killing yourself, that's what he's saying. Now listen to my voice. I will counsel you, and Elohim will be with you. You stand for the people before Elohim so that you may bring the difficulties to Elohim. And you will teach them the statutes and the laws, and you will show them the way that they must go and the work that they must do. Okay. Moses, teach these people this stuff so they don't have to come back and keep asking the same question. Well, this is the teaching. This is the law from Elohim. These are the statutes that have come from Elohim. You know, in other words, this is, this is school time for these people. And they'll always have the statutes and the laws there so that this kind of thing won't have to keep happening over and over again. Then you will select out of the entire... Actually, it should be, in, in, to properly translate, it should be out of the entire nation, able men. Uh, men who have the capability such as fear Elohim okay so there's a few there are a few prerequisites here they have to be godly men who really fear Elohim they have to be men of truth they can't they can't deny the truth so they have to trust that what has happened through the hand of Moses came from God they hate covetousness they're not lovers of money and you will appoint over them that is Israel leaders You'll have some who will be judges over thousands, leaders over hundreds, leaders over fifties, and leaders over tens. So every ten people had a, had a magistrate, a judge. If it was something a little too difficult, it went on up the line until finally, he says, and they will, verse 22, and they will judge the people at all times, and it will be that any major matter they'll bring to you. So Moses is the Supreme Court. And they themselves will judge every minor matter, thereby making it easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this thing and Elohim commands you, you will be able to endure. And also all this people will come to their place in peace. Okay, so this is a nation. This is a nation in development. The governor, if you will, the leader, the administrator of the nation is Moses. The order of life is placed in the hands of magistrates from the smallest office being over 10, probably over 10 families, all the way up to those who are over thousands, divided in 1,000. Now, if you know, That'd have been a lot of those guys when you think about two to three million people. But then there was only one Moses. And if there was something that all of those who were over thousands and they might come together on some difficult things, man, Moses is going to have to ask God about this one. We don't have a teaching here. There's not, a, there's not an example in the case work that we've got. Nothing, nothing like this before. So Moses is going to have to bring this to Elohim, to Yahweh. 
So that's, that's how that would work. He would still be pretty busy, I'm sure. Moses would be, but not nearly as busy. Can you imagine? I mean, we already know that these people are hard to get along with, even with God. Uh, so how, how easy do you think they were to get along with each other? You know, hey, that's my Egyptian vessel. I brought, no, it ain't. I mean, I brought this thing out. Oh, that's mine. You know, I don't know. You don't know what the things that they fussed about, uh, that, that, that the law would handle. So Jethro puts this caveat to it. He says, Elohim will have to command you on this, but this is my counsel. This is my advice to you that you get some help here. This is too much. This is, here's what he says in verse, 20, verse 23. He says, all these people will come to their place in peace. Okay, then what he's implying is the other side of that coin. You're going to have such a backlog of cases and people mad at each other. By the time you get to the land, everybody's going to be all blowed up at each other. Everybody's going to be claiming somebody owes them money or they did them wrong. or this, And you're not going to have peace. And even though they're going to come into this beautiful, wonderful land, they're not going to have, be very happy because of the way people are. Uh, so you need to make this thing such that when they come into the land, they'll be at peace in their hearts and everything will be settled. Moses heeded his father-in-law and he did all that he said. Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people, leaders of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. So they judged the people at all times. Okay, that means that 24-7, the lesser judges were always working. All the time. They didn't have to wait for Moses to call court into session. They would go right then. Right then. And this would keep things moving rather smoothly. And this meant that there wouldn't be a backlog of cases when they came uh, to the land of Canaan. They judged pe people at all times. The hard cases they brought to Moses. But every minor case they themselves would judge. Moses let his father-in-law depart. And he went his way to his own land. Can you see how God did all that for these people? He, Jethro had experience that although Moses was very experienced, Moses didn't have the kind of experience that Jethro had as a chieftain, as a priest of, of the Midianites. Um, then God, God was constantly giving through, through Moses, by revelation, Moses the prophet, God was giving his law, you know, precept by precept, line upon line. He just, all this adding. It's so so we, we get the understanding that there was already a, an inscription of a great deal of the law when Moses went up to Sinai. Uh, that's what I gather from this chapter, um, which, which is which is very interesting and a lot of people don't really think about. But, and remember, it was going to be placed in the Ark of the Covenant so that the law was going to play a big part in, in the lives of the people of Israel, the nation of Israel. So, this thing, Moses could come right down here. You know, remember, his countenance is going to change and all this kind of stuff. Uh, all you got to do is think about the movie, right? And you'll know exactly what it was like. 
Um, he's going to come down with those tablets and it would be something that Moses couldn't have done himself. This, this God had to have done this. So they would know, you know, well, you know, everything he's been telling us is, <laughs> I'm going I'm to take it, I'm going to say, yep, okay, that's from God. Uh, you're a prophet of God. You're Moses. So you see where all of this is solidifying these people in their place as the people of God. And God's not over. God loves them. He's bringing them along. He's giving them what they need. Uh, and he's very patient with them. And uh, we also see how, how important Moses is. But here in this chapter, note how Moses himself needed the advice of Jethro. This would have been a tremendous relief, you know. Okay, Jethro says, just, just write, every time you come to a case, keep writing it down, you know, just write everything down. Now you have case law and you have something to fall back on so that you don't have to just do the, start all over again. And now these guys, they, you know, they're able men and if they're able men, they ought to be able to read what you write to them and, and they ought to be able to make a judgment just looking at the language and say, well, here's what it says. And those really hard things, you know, they can bring to you. Now, this would have just kept things moving smoothly all the way as the people made their way. Uh, well, of course, here to Sinai, and then from Sinai, <laughs> supposedly to Canaan, although this bunch ain't going to make it. Uh, but they don't know that yet. Let's see. All right. Well, we'll stop there. Uh, I thought that was very interesting. They're all interesting chapters. Uh, but it, it gives us a little more insight into the ways of God and the will of God, how God works for his people, uh, and how people can come into our lives that we really need, um, and, and who can give us advice that maybe nobody else can give us. They come from another world of experience that we've, we've never thought about before. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Oh, how we love your word. We marvel at how you take care of your people. We thank you, O oh God, that we have been brought into your camp by your will and grace. And we pray, Lord, that you'll bless us and use us as you see fit in this life. In Jesus' name, amen.